Howdy, folks. There are certainly zero folks watching at the moment, so therefore, I'm going to keep talking until we start seeing some folks. But, as you see, it is just me. So what does that mean, you say? What does that mean that you think? I don't know. All I know is it's me. It's always just me. There is one viewer. Welcome. Number two. Can you hear me okay? I couldn't tell. It's only me. Did everybody have a good Super Bowl? I will ask and lean on you in the chat. How was your Super Bowl yesterday? Hello, Astro Bowl 67. How are you doing today? Just like Rihanna at the Super Bowl halftime show, I am on a platform by myself, singing my heart out, which I personally super enjoyed it. And the amount of rigging that need to happen to get all those platforms to work, I think was pretty remarkable. And the fact that she was also pregnant while performing, very good. I know there was some, you know, people who didn't like it, but I think it's a lot of Twitter chatter. So I enjoyed the Super Bowl very much. I don't think that that was holding, but I also understand to the rule why it was. And Bradbury did end up saying that he thought it was hold. And maybe that causes a touchdown, but I really just wanted that the uh, the excitement at the end of Casey going up by three and then give it back to Philadelphia and see what Jalen Hurts can do. Because I personally think Jalen Hurts should have had the MVP regardless what happened because he played a heck of a game. Now, granted, Mahomes on the um, on the ankle injury, then making that run on that final touchdown. Totally understand why he should he should or he ended up getting it because. Whatever they did to mitigate the pain, I always kept saying, it's like, it's the Super Bowl. It's literally the last game. Do everything that you can unless it's going to cause you immense bodily harm. So figure out a way to make it work. That run was incredible. I, I really enjoyed uh, that Super Bowl. Um, there hasn't really been a Super Bowl that's been a snoozer in a while, like the Seahawks-Broncos one way back. Probably early 2010s was probably one I could think of. Um, this one was fun, and I'm happy for Casey. I like... Um, I, I honestly, what Juju Smith Schuster did was very similar to what I expected MVS to do yesterday. Um, but what I like to say is everybody was doubling up MVS cause he's such a threat that Juju Smith Schuster got all the, all the receptions, right? It's gotta be that. So shout out to Marquez Valding Scantling. Um, my father-in-law said, oh, so he went straight from St. Pete to USF. And I told him he went from NC State back down to USF. So he's one of the players that played against and also for USF, which is a, a fun um, brotherhood of players who have done that. So that's cool. His first Super Bowl that the kids stayed up for. So, yes, it was a very exhausting day. Um, Monday after the Super Bowl should be a national holiday. Or you play it on Saturday. I don't know. I understand why you play it on a Sunday, but... Ooh, it's rough. And, you know, it never actually starts at 630. That game kicked at like 647. So by the time you're out of there, you leave the parties or whatever, and then that's it. I'm not going to say that's that's it for professional football until August like everyone is because I see you USFL and XFL. And even though you took my beloved Vipers away from me and put them to Orlando, I will still be watching because any football is good football, especially if you're a wagering man. Uh, not, not, not myself. I am not a wagering man, but there are people out there who are wagering on that. So welcome to the USF athletics roundup. 
as you see, it is just me. Uh, no Robert Steve tonight. He wasn't able to make it. So he did a lot of lovely work as he normally does on our Roundup Talk track. So I thought it was very silly for me to not try to do this by myself and to at least talk to everybody about what um, USF Athletics did this past week. Because when we pitched doing these in audio or a video format, I originally was like, I'm just going to go ahead and do this read off a script. And then Steve said, I'm going to jump in and help. And that fella is very good in front of a camera. So um, feel free to help guide the conversation if you would. Friend of the show, William Kennedy. Fella, my friend. Fella. USF Athletics did indeed do the sports. Um, some better than others. So we're going to start off with the bad. So um, on the hardwood, men's basketball went 0-2 last week um, and have rounded out their 10-15 currently overall, 3-9 and in conference. Their two, three wins are against ECU twice, which I pitched. Can we just play ECU every game? Because that is, you know, a good thing. And then uh, the other win was against UCF. So the next time they have to go to Orlando and UCF just thwacked Tulsa. So we're going to see how that's going to work out. Uh, one more loss will officially put Brian Gregory under 500 for the sixth straight season. So, you know, you have the CBI to hang your hat on. That feels like forever and a day ago. Uh, so officially being under 500 is not good. So the last Wednesday, they lost to Memphis 99 to 81 at home. Um, it, every time they attempted to kind of come back, Memphis held them out. So it was just one of those games where it never really felt like it was that close. But I'm going to give props to Tyler Harris. He became the conference's new all-time leader in three-pointers with 266 uh, between the two programs. Um, and again, this is an, another great performance that he had against Memphis, uh, just like the one in December. Uh, he's been the best shooter that I've seen USF had in years um, since uh, probably Stan Heath days. I mean, he's just a great, pure shooter. There's been guys like Justin Brown who are really good at threes, David Collins who are just really good fighters in this Brian Gregory era, but... Um, Tyler Harris is just a pure shooter and guy can shoot anywhere. And when he's on, he's on, it's just getting him to that point and making sure that you're not in such a big hole that you have these issues. Um, yes, I'm going to say shocking. I am, I am indeed shocked. If you look at my face, um, it stinks though. Cause these players, like you can see the team being well, um, uh, this is a very, <laughs> yes, he is maybe the best since Melvin Buckley who, um, Yeah. That that is a very long time. What what year? Now I'm like double. All right, Melvin Buckley, USF. How long ago was that? Was that before I was there? 2006. Wait. Yes, 2006, 2007. That was literally. Yep, that was right before. Um. Before I arrived at USF. So yeah, there you go. That. Um. So they lose 99-81 at home. That's just. Not really as close as this. Uh, Chua, again, had a double-double. 13 points, 12 rebounds. He started to really come on at the end of this. Yep. Yep. And thank you, friends, for coming on. <laughs> a menace to society. A Spider-Man. A Spider-Menace, if you will. Um, so, uh, Russell Chua, double-double, 13-12. And he's, he, I mean, he's he's really come alive. And a lot of the times, he's able to take over and... and um, short stints as well um it's just it, it's if the offense is rolling the defenses and that's kind of been the problem there's no consistency they play a good half they have a bad half um and we're gonna get that in a second with the loss to cincinnati 84 65 on saturday so um after the first half 
Cincinnati, uh, USF was up on Cincinnati, 48. Uh, I'm sorry. Let me pull up the right thing. See, this is the thing when it's just me. I normally riff on the next part. Um, where is my Cincinnati box score? Here we go. They're up 38-34, and Tyler Harris hit a buzzer beater three to make that uh, – to make a one point lead to a three, a four point lead. And then Cincinnati came, whatever ended up happening at halftime, Cincinnati came out roaring and outscored USF 50 to 27 in the second half. So you play a pretty darn good first half defensively. You only held Cincinnati. Who's really good on, on the offensive side to 34 points. And then you give up 50 in the second half. And that is just, and then you score 27. Years, they almost doubled you up uh, court. Uh, but that being said, Corey Walker, Jr. Um, put up 25 points. Um, 10 for 13 field goals. Like <laughs> what an incredible performance. It just stinks. You can't couple that with anybody, anybody else. He's the only one to USF and double figures. So he wasn't, he played an incredible game. He was unstoppable and they just couldn't string any uh, Cincinnati was just on fire in the second half. They just would, would hit three after three uh, Cincinnati hit. Yep. 70% from three point range in the second half. That's just, I mean, I, how they shot 23% in the first half, something happened. <laughs> and again, w- once these guys are on, they're on, you can't really do too much about it. Um, USF. Yes. So 70%. I just, I, I, that's it. Like I couldn't, be, how many guys could do that just with nobody in their face? 70%. It's like absurd. Um, I watched for a little bit and there was a while. There's one guy got three threes in like a minute and a half. And it's just, how do you stop that? And this is the big thing that uh, will be a theme for um, the hardwood this week. It's just stringing a whole game together. It just seems like every sport. And I know that's probably, you could say that to a lot of teams who aren't, you know, elite. How do you, what do you, well, you stop that by playing press coverage and playing a little harder on the, and anticipating that. So whatever, whatever ended up happening, um, they just had a lot of open looks and good ball movement. Cincinnati is a good team, historically a good team. They're going to be competitive in the Big 12, most likely. So it's just sometimes you can't stop a guy who's on fire. And when guys are hitting it, it's like NBA Jam. Once you get on fire, you start dunking on guys with flames. Um, but, I mean, what you can you, what you what can do for yourself in, the, in a situation like this is do uh, hit your own buckets. They were one for nine in the second half, 26%. Uh, sorry, 11%. Uh, 26% overall. But they were able to do th- uh, three for six in the first half, 50%. So they didn't take as many shots from beyond the arc, but they were able to hit them. Um, a lot of that was Corey Walker Jr. Um, and then 41% from the field and 75% free throws. We've been talking like 75% and up. If they can get that free throw percentage in that kind of Goldilocks area, that's incredible. So they're doing that now. It's just on the defensive side. They haven't been able to stop the other team. Now, again, Memphis and Cincinnati are top of the conference for a reason. I'm not going to go ahead and say, hey, you, you better win these games. But Memphis at home, especially since you had them on the ropes the first time you played, you expected to have a little bit of a better um, result. But 99-81, almost giving up 100 is just, that's hard. That's rough. I guess a conference foe. And then at Cincinnati, just you had the lead and then you couldn't contain them. Um, 
the the strange thing is Brian Gregory defenses have normally been very stout. So now you just gave up 84 and 99 in the last two games this past week. Uh, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow. And it stinks again because you have guys who can score and different players have contributed. You're just never consistently able to get that. Even like a Doc Mortar played 12 minutes and got six points in those 12 minutes. Two for four for beyond the arc. Like he's a guy who hasn't played that much this season, but when he has, he's he's looked pretty good. Um, we do have a Mark Kalea sighting though. He did play a minute and he missed his only shot, but we always stand for Mark Kaleo. Um, If you have any questions about men's basketball, let me know. Steve wanted to start a bit of a dialogue. Um, that uh, 25 points from Corey Walker was a career high. Um, and the one thing that I did miss now that I'm looking at these notes, uh, Keyshawn Bryant and Rush Chua did miss the game against Cincinnati due to injuries. So that is one contributing factor. Um, you're able to you lose two of your best players or two contributors, and that's going to cause issues. Uh, next up, they play Tulsa on Wednesday and then um, have Tulane at home on Saturday. Uh, Tulsa is at, currently at the bottom of the conference. They just got boat raced by UCF. They're, that's a game you feel like you have to win if you're Brian Gregory. You, you have to get this team ready to go and have a very nice, solid game front to back and, and win and win and um, convincing fashion in my head. Um, but again, here we are optimistic. We don't talk about coaches' futures. But in the chat, how do you feel about Brian, Gregory, um, Brian Gregory's future here at USF past 2023. I'll leave that to the chat and I'll get back to you after we talk women's basketball. I agree. I think it's one of those things where it's, it's, it's about that time. And again, I'm not sure specifics or anything, what financial situation is, but it's probably about you. You've had three, complete roster transformations in the, in the, this tenure. And it's just, it's hard to watch and we'll always have Brian Gregory with Pippa. I'll never forget that. I mean, so one's a head coach and one was a coordinator. So you can easily kind of d- determine who do you think is worse? I, I still think Sterling Gilbert took a Ferrari and made it a Ford focus because when you have guys like Quentin flowers after the fact saying like, yeah, we just did what we wanted in that UCF game. It's like, okay, well here's, here's where you think. And he drew, he drove off, you know, Chris Oladokin, who is now a Super Bowl champion as well. Congrats to him for Kansas city. Um, I would say that's worse, but it's hard to say as a head coach at some point, it is your, it's your team and you can't say your, your, you know, coordinators or whatever are doing that. Yep. Um, I will try to find that photo because uh, back, you know, pre COVID, we used to do these things. Uh, we used to do these live recordings at the patio and we had some pretty fun guests there. We got um, Jose out there one day and we had Brian Gregory out there and <laughs> he had Pippa and Pippa fits in this beautiful harness and he agreed to put on the hip Pippa harness and it was a great sight to see. Um, yeah, I'm still going to go. Ah man, I'm still. It's one thing. It at least BG got to a CBI championship. That's one thing that you can hang your hat on. You can say that's hardware that was received during that time period. Strong. I don't know. I know. I know. Like at the time when we've talked about this, seemed like home run on paper. How many times do you see a home run on paper and it just doesn't pan out? But I'm still willing to go that that route because at least you got something. But yes, yes, it feels like forever and a day ago. Like I don't. <laughs> So, so somebody asked me, it's like, Hey, do you remember this thing that happened in 2016? I'm like, no, 
And like you add the other thing, it's like 2016. That's when USF was really good. Like that's a very long time ago at this point. Mostly joking, but I everything pre-pandemic is like a whole different set of like I got to unpack that box and remember what it was like prior to 2020. Um, but yes, and yeah, <laughs> here's another marker, and I, I I just keep doing this, and thank you guys for giving me content to talk about. That's not me just reading off a spreadsheet. <laughs> the CBI championship was when Beef O'Brady's was still on campus, which it is not currently there. Um, one of my one of my best friends in the world, um, Jake, was on campus on Friday, and he came. It's now Chick Fil A, and he was like, "I remember we used to watch games in here. Not anymore. It's just very strange." And that's also a marker on how long it's been. So um, that's wraps it up for men's basketball. So Tulsa on Wednesday, Tulane on Saturday. Um, women's basketball, um, had only one game on Sunday this past week. It was a weird quirk in the schedule, just based on how the calendar worked itself out. And they lost to a very good Houston team, 71 to 69. Uh, they were down by as much as 13 points. Uh, I believe, let me see if I can pull that right back up. Um, Houston was on fire. They had, they were very good beyond the arc. Um, and it's just like against Cincinnati. There's only so much you can do in that situation. Um, when you have someone who is just on fire, um, uh, Layla Blair had 30 points, six of 13, three point from three point range. Um, and they shot, yeah, 45, uh, they shot 50% in the first quarter, 55% in the second quarter. And, um, then they, they tapered down when USF was making their comeback, but 45% total, that is just a hard, hard, um, that's hard to do. They got outscored 19 to 14 in the first 24 to 17 in the second. And they had a, pr they roared back pretty well in the third quarter. Um, they just couldn't, they couldn't finish it. Um, we, we, we've talked about in the past how these USF uh, teams generally will drop a game uh, to a, a, you know, a, a tough opponent. That's the difference between them and UConn. They're not at that mega elite level to where this conference can still hit them when they're uh, playing good teams. Uh, and this Houston team's bit them before um, a couple years ago when they won the conference double, they went into Houston. I think it was the last game of the regular season, but then they ended up still winning the regular season and uh, conference title. So all the, the goals are still out in front of you. Their next game is going to be at UCF on Wednesday. So if anyone's in the Orlando or Oviedo area, go ahead and go to that game. That's our, our biggest thing is just go ahead and beat the teams that you can. So they're at UCF on Wednesday. So have a happy Valentine's Day tomorrow. And then they uh, will hopefully get back in the win column. Um, yeah, Bulls couldn't overcome the three-point barrage. Elena Cheneke had 24. Dulce had 19 and 19. Dulce looked unstoppable for a while. She They couldn't they couldn't stop her a down, down low. But unfortunately, when you're down by so many points, you need to try to do everything that you can. And the full court press was just killing them. That's something that they haven't been able to do uh, consistently is uh, when the full court press, just like UCF last year, last year um, under Coach Abe, it frustrates it frustrates that team. And they haven't been able to really get over that hump of trying to figure out how to get around it. Um, it's, it's, it's tough. It's hard to do that. Um, so uh, Sammy and Carla also each had 10 points. So Houston had four players in double figures. Sorry, uh, USF had four players in double figures, and Houston had four players in double figures. But when you have Ly uh, Layla Blair score 30 points, that is, uh, it's, uh, it's hard to get around that. Um, so 
and Houston's a very good defensive team. So actually scoring 69 is a lot for them to give up. But when they're hitting three pointers like that, uh, their team, I would look out their number two seed currently uh, in the standings, their team, I would look out in the tournament because uh, you're likely to get them in the final. So shout out to Houston, a really great team. They played really, really well. So that, uh, USF is now 22 and five and 11 and one. And that was their first unranked lost loss. So, and their first loss at home all season. Uh, so hopefully they can rebound against UCF. Um, if we have any more questions about basketball, otherwise I will move on to the tennis sports. Uh, they lost, they went, they did a trip to New York. Uh, they had lost to Cornell who is now undefeated. And again, Ivy league schools are very good. Uh, they won the doubles point. Alvin, uh, won the lone singles match for USF. Uh, but they ended up losing the rest of the courts, uh, game against Columbia actually got canceled. So whether or not they came home early or were able to hang out in New York, who knows, but that game did get, get, get canceled. Next up, they play, um, against VCU on February 23rd, which is, uh, about a, you know, 10 days off at this point. Uh, so they have some time to kind of figure out what else to do. Uh, and again, men's tennis, you don't really worry too much about until you start getting into conference play. And even then uh, a lot, a lot of things can work out differently. Seeing Alvin do, uh, do very well, who's still ranked is good to see because as the low, even if the team doesn't end up making an NCAA tournament, he can make it himself or doubles, doubles teams can make it as well. Uh, women's tennis. Uh, they are two and two currently. Um, they won at FAU, four three. They uh, Bulls lost third game a doubles point to go down oh one. But then uh, Grace Schumacher, Sierra Berry, Laura Pelissier, and Salona Walsh all got wins, which is good. Um, and then the second game they lost to Florida Gulf Coast four to two. They conceded doubles point, and then Sierra Berry won again. She is undefeated on the season currently. She was the Again, super phenom freshman last year who is carrying it over to this season. When you were undefeated at, at this point, it's very good to see. Um, Sl- Slona Walsh, Walsh were also uh, also won her match um, against FGCU. Next up, they play SMU on Friday and at UNT on Sunday. Um, women's golf. Okay, yeah, women's golf. Then next up, they play in the show in Las Vegas next Monday and Tuesday. That's exciting little little Vegas trip in February. So I've never been to Vegas. I've always wanted to go to Vegas. Me and my buddies have always planned on it. And we all kind of want to do a dual kind of bachelor. We're all married now, but you know, the pandemic kind of messed things up with how that worked. So we, I didn't actually get a bachelor's party. So one of these days I would like to go to Vegas and just hang out. And our friend Colin Sherman, of course, always has the plug in Vegas. Always knows the, the best places to go. So one of these days I will, but it's really cool. You get to do a tournament in Vegas. Uh, men's golf team finished sixth out of 14 teams this past weekend. And we have a photo bomb from the cat. This is sunshine. Everybody say hi to sunny. Um, three bulls finished in the top 15, Sam Nicholson, Jake Peacock and uh shoe bomb Jaglin. I'm going to try to get a better read on that. They um, Sam finished even par uh, and, and Jake and uh, Shabam were both over. So a uh, tough course. It looks like. Um, ahead of USF was Florida, Florida's B squad. It looks like, according to Stieg's notes, that's interesting. And I also know that sometimes that's how uh, these work out. Georgia Southern, Liberty, and UNF—they're all ranked 
Um, so they all finished above. And behind USF was Penn State, FGCU, Stetson, West Virginia, FAU, and North Texas. Uh, so next up, they're also uh, they go to Lake Las Vegas, Vegas Intercollegiate, February 27th through March 1st. So at the end of the month, they also get to go, which is Yes, dude. Yeah, I don't have enough money for that. So, yes, I, I, I will definitely make sure I do not spend more than a weekend in Vegas. Um, I've heard going during like the NCAA tournaments a fun time. I'm not sure I'll ever be able to do that, but I definitely want to go see the shows, do do all the fun Vegas, Vegasy type things. So uh, this week, which is exciting, the start of softball season. Um, I personally a huge fan of baseball and softball. I always loved doing baseball cards, uh, scorecards growing up, and I still love doing them now. Uh, so softball started this past weekend, and they went two and three. And again, uh, if you're unfamiliar with how softball runs, a lot of these early year tournaments, you're playing a bunch of games in a small amount of time. Luckily, because Florida's destination in the middle of winter, a lot of them are hosted here or in Clearwater or around the state. So it's really nice to be able to be at home for a good chunk of the season before going on the road, generally in, con- in conference play. Uh, so the opening night, they won against Michigan, two, one and eight innings uh, on a, on a, uh, in a, it's always great to get extra, extra softball when you're uh, in the first game of the year. And they won um, on a really bang, bang play at the plate. Uh, so it was very, that was very exciting to see. Um, they also won- uh, beat St. Joseph's four to nothing on Saturday. Um, highlights were, uh, Peyton Dixon, redshirt freshman, was the starting pitcher and a really hard shoes to fill with Georgina Corrick graduating. But uh, she came out dealing. Uh, the team pitched fairly well over the course of the season or over the course of the first few games. But uh, let's see, Pey- uh, in her first start, so her first two games, she had 13 total in- innings pitched, only gave up five hits and one run and had 10 Ks versus Michigan and St. Joseph's, um, which St. Joseph's was a complete game win. Uh, Michigan ended up going to extras, so she didn't actually get the win there. But that I, start, starting off with those two wins are good. The teams from Boston are what hurt them the most. Uh, defense seems sound so far in the first few games, and the infield has some good chemistry. There was a lot of uh, good ground balls that were uh, picked off, which is always good. I mean, it's hard in softball. But their losses were against Boston College, 4-2, to two, Boston University, 8 to nothing, and then a second game against Boston College, 5-4 to four, in nine innings. Um, they blew leads both in both Boston college games. Um, so two, one in the seventh in game one bases loaded two times in game two. So they weren't able to, to cash in all the way and get, and get those wins. Uh, so against BU bad call that would have ended the inning went up, went on to put five in the fourth. So, you know, sometimes you don't get that call that you expect and then the floodgates get opened. Um, so there was a game against Illinois state that was also canceled over the weekend. So softball starts their weekend out two and three. Still very excited, very looking uh, looking forward to seeing how how they do and seeing what the um, the pitching staff ends up ends up being. Uh, they leaned on Cork a lot, who uh, led the nation in uh, innings pitched. I imagine they're going to spread that out. Coach Ken's going to spread that out a little bit, but it's good to see that uh, the two games Peyton Dixon pitched in or started rather um, were fairly solid. She did pitch in the game against Bo- um, Boston College, the five four loss. Uh, next up is the Tax Act Clearwater Invitational Friday through Sunday. So if you like going to Clearwater, that's a nice little tournament, nice little venue. You can head out there. It's going to be Duke, Texas A&M, Virginia Tech, and Mississippi State are uh, all potential players. And again, like you start you start loading these games up fairly early, and everyone's kind of doing – they're trying to sort through what their lineups are going to be. They're going to try to sort through what their pitching staffs are going to be. So sometimes you get weird games. So Michigan could end up being a very solid team that goes to the College World Series, and you could say you got to win over them. But um, – 
they're always a team that ends up kind of being in these tournaments with USF. So it's always nice to see. Um, so baseball starts this week against number 13, Maryland. So all of you ba- huge baseball fans, we uh, are looking uh, very much excited to it. Our friends over at it's Bruin at McEwen have a really nice podcast that talk exclusively about baseball and bring on some of the players and staff as well to, to discuss it. I fully recommend watching them because uh, they're very good. Um, uh, we had him on, sometime last season i'm sure we'll bring them on again but we're very much looking forward to, to baseball the exciting thing about baseball is um you know you, ha- you have some of your staff that ends up leaving or getting drafted and then because you're in the state of florida and because you have billy moles excellent excellent pitching coach uh excellent with pitchers you can generally reload fairly easily so hopefully they can improve on uh last season and do a little bit better in conference play. And we're, we're, we all had uh, high hopes two years ago or last season after the super regional two years ago, but hopefully we'll get back there. Um, and as they say, hashtag Bulmaha, make it to Omaha, which we do have friends in Omaha. So uh, if that ever happens, we are going to the college world series. And by we, I mean myself, I don't know if anybody else will, but I definitely will. So we're excited about baseball. We're going to wrap up here at track and field. Yeah. We're at 30 minutes, 30 minutes for one person. That's not too bad. I didn't even have to have a sip of water. Um, any questions so far? Baseball, softball, golf, tennis, basketball, so many sports. I just feel like it's just like I, I wish uh, I want to get like just, you know, it's because we're doing it the way that we do. I can't just be like, and sports and just like, you know, confetti everywhere. I need someone to teach me that. So like Heath or Alex Rigsby, I need y'all to help me do like the fun stuff. Just like sports, I don't know, explosions and all that stuff. Uh, so track and field, we're going to keep talking about these program records that uh, Eric Jenkins team keeps pulling out because it, it's actually getting very, we're going to have a bigger piece on this. It's, it's very, when it comes to the indoor, the outdoor, the, 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 the fields, the track and field stuff, not the cross country stuff. They have, he has flipped this program into a, a, a real competitor. Uh, so there were three program records just casually made over the past weekend. Uh, Kobe Babin, the pole vaulter, finished fourth in this competition, but got a school record 5.38, which is 17 feet. <laughs> just very high. That's just very high up. So in in lighting, you generally want anywhere between 20 and 25 feet of throw distance. I'm not going to get into the science of that, but that's generally where you want. So 17 feet, me imagining like the top of the grid where we'll hang lights. That's how much you pole vaulted. <laughs> Uh, Romain Beckford, who is now undefeated on the season still, he broke his own record. He broke three weeks ago with a 2.22 meter. That's seven foot three point two five and the men's high jump. So, yeah, he had a, a record that he broke by 0.2 meters or 0.1 meters, which is just incredible. I mean, he is uh, all American watch at this point, all AC watch. He's undefeated on the high jump. He just cannot lose. And then, uh, I'm going to butcher his name, but uh, Chevois Reed in the men's 200, 21.14 seconds. Uh, he broke the program record, and that is a 12-year record. So just again, short short and mid- middle running, doing, doing pretty good. Uh, the other podium finishes from this weekend um, are uh, a first-place finish for uh, Janiah Burton, also a personal best, uh, t- tied for fifth all-time in the program. Uh, 24.13 in the women's 200 meter and the men's high jump. Uh, Kendall Mosley uh, got second place with 2.08. So he was second place. 
Beckford was first place. 2.22, 2.0. I mean, that's <laughs> like, wow. Unbelievable. Uh, second place in the men's 4x400 re- uh, relay. Three minutes, 13 seconds. Second place, uh, men's triple jump. David Ajama had a personal best and the second best in program history with 16.03 meters. Uh, second in the women's long jump, Shania Benjamin, 6.14 meters. And third, uh, Shanelix Davila got uh, 60 meter hurdles, 8.27. So those are all the podium finishes. Uh, the women's 4x400 relay. Uh, finished fifth, but th- got the third best uh, mark in program history with three minutes, 39 seconds, or well, sorry, with 339.64. Uh, so even though that was fifth overall in the, this tournament, a uh, competition rather, it was third best in program history. And I'm going to try to see if I can pull this up because there is a very good, yeah, there is a very good series of graphics that USF put out. Let's see if I can present. Again, normally there would be like a, yeah, is this going to work? No. There we go. Okay. We're going to do this one more time. Normally I would be doing this while uh, Steve would take over, so I'm just going to try to talk while I share the right screen here. Boom. How's that look? Good. Hey, look at that. So, we're just going to look at these top 10 finishes. Everyone in gold are teams currently on the roster. This is the one that gets me. <laughs> one, two, three, four, five of the top 10. And the 4x400 women's relay are all teams that are currently on the roster. It's just remarkable what in one, essentially four, you know, one recruiting segment you can you you can do you could say hey we're gonna be re- we're gonna be really good about running short and medium distances there you go Romain Beckford has has the top mark right there and there's gonna be another two point two one added or sorry yeah so two point two two is there and then there's Kendall Mosley who came in second and was able to tie um that mark and then same with indoor indoor triple jump it's just really neat to see that hey a lot of these programs under Eric Jenkins are doing very well to where they are in the top 10 in program history in his short time here. Also, you know, kudos uh, tracking track and field. I'm not sure if you guys do it outside of just watching Twitter um, what the, you know, the admins put up. It is very hard to track some of these tournament um, kind of box scores, if you will. Sometimes you have to, you can't really, you can sort by school to an extent, but sometimes you got to look at heats versus final and see how people did over the course of the, of the weekend that is just a very tough um a tough thing to do so sometimes it's us like just looking through scorecards trying to understand what's going on and then knowing what the you know the program records are the conference records are and being able to flip um graphics like that that's the kind of stuff i really support and i'm really interested in because they do a really good job with that it's really hard just to kind of look it up basketball football those other uh, other sports you can generally have a better understanding or recollection of where those programs are and track it's a lot harder so um, that was their last indoor meet of the season so up next is on on september 4 uh uh, this upcoming sunday february 18th it's the tampa track classic so that's gonna be their first outdoor meet so we look forward to seeing what they do um uh, in that sense. So yeah, we have a lot of sports coming up. 
I, you know, talk 37 minutes by myself about this week of USF athletics and six of you decide to stick around. Five of you decide to stick around. Somebody just left. <laughs> That's funny. I know. So, uh, we're going to get an update here in a second. Uh, I'm just going to first talk about my fella and Bella. My fella, fella of the week is Romain Beckford. He just doesn't miss. He is undefeated all season in the high jump, and I don't see that stopping based on where the second place finishers are. So um, hoping the best for him. My Bella's softball pitcher, Peyton Dixon. First career start. It's really hard to do. Um, it's, it's really hard to replace or fill Georgina Cork's shoes one of the best softball pitchers in the country last year. And I mean, of all time, you could say it um, one of the best USF athletes for sure, but she came in, started two games, 13 total innings pitched five hits, one run 10 Ks. Um, and that was, ver- that was versus Michigan and then got a complete game win against St. Joseph's. So if she can keep that up, that's going to be a very good season. Uh, it's always been hard to kind of find that second or third pitcher uh, behind Cork the past few years. So being able to, have someone who can come in and reliably pitch. Um, it's going to be about the offense. They just need to score more runs. And that was that was even hard to come by last year. But uh, we're looking forward to seeing that. Um, I will also say Stieg's fella and Bella. His fellow of the week was Tyler Harris for becoming the all-time leader in threes and Romain Beckford for breaking his own record again. I just stole Romain Beckford for him. So his fella can be Tyler Harris because, again, being the all-time leader in threes in the American is not a hard or it's not an easy thing to do. So congratulations to him. And the, his bell of the week was Sierra Berry, who, um, just like Romaine Beckford, is undefeated in her craft. She's 4-0 in tennis this season and so far carrying the team. Now in tennis, you could be the best player on the team and your team could still be losing the matches, but you could still uh, get into a, the singles tournament. So that's a good thing for her that you still have something to play for. That's the neat thing I like about tennis and golf is there's the team aspect, but then the doubles and then your what your singles, uh, your single um competition can also lead you into the postseason. So it's brought to my attention that there has been a shooting on the Michigan state campus um, and that there are injuries and deaths reported. Um, I won't get into it on the stream, but it's just um, two locations. That's just that this always, um, this always has a special, pl- like it, it, it's hard to see this happen on campus. I, it's, it's hard to see these types of shootings happen anywhere but especially in a place of learning, especially where people live and work, um, you know, living and working on a campus. It's just, it, I can't imagine having to go through something like this. So my heart goes out to them. And yeah, especially since tomorrow is the anniversary of Parkland, this is just not great news. Um, I always hate to end a podcast like this, but I think um, I'm going to start looking at this, but thank you for bringing this up the wizard, the USF wizard. Um, my heart goes out to them, but I have just a lot of thoughts on, on the matter. Um, but for now, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching um, for this solo, super solo Valentine's episode of the USF roundup. Hopefully we'll be back in a normal schedule next week and have a great week, everybody. And again, Heart goes out to Michigan State. I hope I hope this can get resolved quickly. Uh, but for now, thanks for joining. Is this a little bit of breaking news that we're seeing? Kansas State is set to hire Matthew Middleton as wide receivers coach. He was hired in January for the same role at South Florida spending the past five years at Kansas State. He's a Kansas City native. Football scoop first reported. Well, 
I'm going to let the fellas on the Blue Manani podcast talk more about that, but that is good to know. So it might be that USF is looking for another wide receivers coach um, as Matthew Middleton, according to Football Scoop, may be heading to Manhattan, Kansas. Manhattan, Kansas, the Big 12 champs, if you will. Go Cats. Um, Thank you for that information. We will move on and we will see you next week. See ya.